Finally, we're still thinking about Jonathan Gold, the L.A. food writer who died July 21st. He was the first restaurant reviewer to win the Pulitzer Prize for Criticism, and he did it while working for the alternative press, the L.A. Weekly. After that, the L.A. Times hired him. Anthony Bourdain called him a hero for pioneering the writing about little mom-and-pop noodle shops and strip malls, treating them with the respect and enthusiasm usually reserved for fine dining establishments. Harold Meyerson, executive editor of the American Prospect, was an editor at the LA Weekly when Jonathan Gold wrote there and won his Pulitzer there. I spoke with Harold about Jonathan shortly after he died. Harold, most of the obits uh, praised Jonathan as a restaurant critic because he wrote about low-down ethnic restaurants instead of high-end gourmet places. He wrote about restaurants for working-class people and poor people instead of rich people, places in strip malls, food trucks, especially taco trucks. But there was a lot more to Jonathan Gold than turning away from high-end restaurants. Please, please explain. Well, what, what Jonathan did, and it's, it's really, I think, remarkable, is he began cruising the boulevards in the mid-'80s, but it was at a time when L.A. was becoming the equivalent of what New York was in 1910, the epicenter of a huge wave of immigration. And what Jonathan was doing was doing a couple of things. He, I mean, he was doing many things. I mean, he not only introduced his readers to eateries of all descriptions, as you, as you said, and of all cultures, but he was, so in a sense, he was introducing them to what the food is like in maybe some obscure Chinese province or one of the Stan countries in Central Asia. But he was also, by so doing, uh, introducing readers who lived on the West Side, telling them, look, you should really go to the San Gabriel Valley, which for readers on the West Side, you know, was just as much an undiscovered country as the obscure provinces of China. Yes. Um, he was a hugely integrative force at a time when, you know, there aren't a hell of a lot of integrative forces in Los Angeles. And if historians are looking back 50 years from now, this great red-blue rift we have in America over a number of issues, but a lot of it is over immigrants and immigration. And if they want to understand why the great cities are so pro-immigrant, in, in contradistinction to the Trump constituency, I can't think of a better way they could get a feel for this than reading Jonathan, that, that Jonathan, more than any writer, because of not just the brilliance of his writing, but the breadth of his travelings around town, and which is really kind of a traveling around the world, really sort of brought Los Angeles, I think, to a much greater appreciation of all of the great benefits that come from this kind of diversity, from being a, a, a world city, as Los Angeles is. And Honestly, I can't think of anyone else writing who quite did that. Writers write about what they know, and what they know is usually a fairly confined universe. You know, there's there's Balzac's Paris, there's Saul Bellow's uh, Chicago, there's Dickens' London. But, you know, I mean, the, the, they took particular slices. Uh, Jonathan wrote about what he knew, too, which was a very particular slice. It was the food that was served all around Los Angeles and cooked and what it represented and the cultures it represented and where exactly this thing came from and that, that, that dish came from. So that was his narrow slice. But it happened to be a, you know, a narrow slice that nonetheless ran across the whole world. And in, in that, he, he was writing about more cultures 
than a Bellow or a Balzac or a Dickens uh, ever ever could, albeit, forgive me for saying this, in sort of bite-sized chunks. <laughs> so it was, it was really a unique contribution. I mean, he was doing this for decades before, you know, Donald Trump yes. was yes. Uh, on the horizon at all. But, but he was nonetheless a kind of living, breathing, eating, digesting, tasting antithesis to, you know, the, the meanness and provincialism of, of Trump and his world. And I think that that kind of reached a climax when Trump took office. That dark day, of course, was January 20th, 2017. And one of the first things Trump did was ban Syrian refugees from entering the United States. A week later, Jonathan Gold's review in the L.A. Times on Saturday was about a place called the Syrian Kitchen. He said it was... Probably, I'm quoting now, as unassuming a restaurant as exists in Van Nuys, a barely renovated storefront on a strip of auto body shops with four or five tables, a soda cooler in the corner, and a takeout business that dwarfs the sleepy pace of the cafe. He did kind of a profile of the woman who runs this Syrian restaurant in Van Nuys, Waha Greer. He says she moved here from Homs, Syria, 40 years ago. He said... She opened her modest cafe in 2014, and there you sense that she has become the surrogate Syrian mother for half the San Fernando Valley. He said the food at this restaurant could sustain a civilization, and it has, close quote. That was the end of his restaurant review. He never mentions Trump. He never mentions the Syrian civil war or refugees or immigration. But by writing about a Syrian place in Van Nuys a week after Trump banned Syrian refugees from entering the United States, he didn't have to do any of those things. It's perfectly clear. He's reminding us that there are Syrians who are our neighbors and that L.A. is a better place because some Syrians came here. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, those of us who worked as journalists in L.A., as I did for, for many years, and saw part of our mission to explain uh, the broader city and perhaps by extension the broader world to our readers. We all, you know, a lot of us were endeavoring one way or another to do that. In some ways, Jonathan did it best. And he was also, as you mentioned, a fabulous writer. His most famous sentences were the ones he wrote in the L.A. Weekly in 1998. I quote, for a while in my early 20s, I had only one clearly articulated ambition, to eat at least once at every restaurant on Pico Boulevard, starting with the fried yucca dish served at a pupuseria near the downtown end and working methodically westward toward the chili fries at Tom's Number 5 near the beach. It seemed a reasonable enough alternative to graduate school, close quote. Uh, yeah, for anyone, for any young people contemplating uh, careers, well, I think the careers of lots of journalists are, are you know, have many crooked lines. Uh, I think Jonathan is an example, but, uh, you know, you can do amazing stuff uh, in, in, in certain fields that, hadn't been considered all that amazing before. And, and you know, that's really what he did with food criticism. I mean, it's only in the last couple decades that that genre has uh, really both expanded its readership and expanded its depth. And, uh, you know, Jonathan is responsible for a lot of that. And, of course, if you're writing about all the restaurants on Pico Boulevard starting downtown, the first group you're going to come to is P the Pico Union neighborhood, which is 
maybe the poorest neighborhood in L.A. and the one that's filled with Central American refugees at the very moment he started writing, the Salvadorians, the Nicaraguans. And, of course, that was a huge issue in American politics at that point. It was. It was. And, you know, this was, this was only slowly coming to the attention of, uh, of, of Angelinos. I remember in the late 80s, there was a fire in what was then uh, the tallest, and now it's the second tallest building in Los Angeles, Library Tower. And I was in L.A. watching the 11 o'clock news report as the janitorial workhorse was pouring out. And at that point, I, I realized, gee, the people who clean downtown buildings are all these immigrants from, they look like they're Mexican or Central American. I mean, you know, at that point, that part of the city was becoming visible, you know, only through the, the coverage of, of catastrophes. Jonathan began writing about it then by writing about its food, by by schlepping down Pico Boulevard in his truck and his little in his pickup. And he was uh, right right there on the, as that happened. And of course, over the years politically, that is a group which has gained certainly in, in the Mexican immigrant community, uh, a great deal of political power. Jonathan though was chronicling it bite by bite from the very outset. Bite by bite. Last quote from Jonathan. I'm trying to get people to be less afraid of their neighbors. Jonathan Gold is irreplaceable for us. You can read Jonathan's reviews at latimes.com. You can read Harold Meyerson at prospect.org. Thanks, Harold. It's great having you on the show. Great being here, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.